0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. There are two very contemplative aisles that gardeners can encounter at big box stores or a well-stocked garden center, and that's the drip irrigation parts aisle and the garden pesticide aisle. Next time you go, check those aisles out for yourself. You'll always find a gaggle of people Just staring at the products, staring, wondering, considering, contemplating. Today, Debbie Flower and I try to get you moving a little faster through the garden pesticide aisle. We have tips on what information to look for on the pesticide product labels so that you make the right choice. Or if you employ a pest control service, there are questions you should be asking them about the products that they're using. Want to free up enough time in the garden so you can actually go visit someone or someplace this year? You remember that, don't you? It's called traveling. Well, then keep in mind these four words, automate, elevate, eliminate, and delegate. We'll explain how to implement these very effective garden time savers. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by SmartPots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics Podcast. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. We get an email that was sent to Fred at farmerfred.com from Gar. In Lodi, California, it just so happens I do write the weekly garden column for the Lodi News Sentinel. Been doing that since 1991. And Gar says, enjoy reading your newspaper column. Recently, a pest control company came by to inject my birch trees with a chemical called imidacloprid. It supposedly helps prevent sticky droppings from landing on my driveway. This year, they came by and also started injecting all the shrubs and also injected my plum tree and my lime tree. I asked why, and they said it was part of their new procedure. Well, I'm concerned that my limes and plums may not be safe to eat. Is this a worry? While I only make jam out of the plums, I do enjoy fresh lime juice. Whoa, Gar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you need to... Uh... Have a discussion with that pest control company. Yeah. This is not uncommon. True. But as we often say on this program, it really is true. Even if, especially if you're applying the chemicals yourself, read and follow all label directions. Yes. Because you can learn a lot if you get out the magnifying glass and read the fine print or in this day and age, download the information right. from it, a website. Yes. Yes. So, and and if you're using a service, they have to be
1: licensed to apply pesticides And you have the right and responsibility to find out what they're going to apply and get a copy of the label from them Mm -hmm. because it needs to be the exact chemical that they are using. In this case, it's an injectable imidacloprid, which would be different from a uh, there are imidacloprids that you pour on the soil and there are imidacloprids that you spray directly on the plant. And those would all have different labels. So you need the label for the actual pesticide that's being used on your landscape And you need to read that label. And there's lots of stuff in the beginning. And then it'll say directions for use. And it needs to list the plant or host to which it's being applied. could say fruit trees or it could specifically say plum and lime. And you need to have the pest that they're trying to control listed as well. So there's another thing that needs to be researched. The pest control company should be able to tell you and show you the pest that is causing the problem. The symptom is not enough. The dripping on the driveway is not enough. You want to, because several things can cause that and imidacloprid is not labeled for use on all of those things. So you need to have the pest company identify the pest that's causing the problem and show you on the label, and it really should be their responsibility, but if, if they won't do it, you can do it on the label that can be printed out that your plants and that pest are listed there and then it's okay to use it. The other thing that it will show on an edible plant like a plum or a lime, if you're using a pesticide, something called days to re-entry or days to harvest in this case, days to harvest would be applicable, and that you should not harvest any fruit off of those trees until that number of days has gone by between the time they applied the chemical and the time you do the harvest. And that is because the research has been done that shows there is a non-dangerous level of the chemical in the fruit at that
0: time. Exactly. imidacloprid works a bit differently than many insecticides that you might be familiar with. Uh, It is not a contact insecticide. It is a systemic insecticide, which means it's absorbed by the plant. And then when the pest sucks or chews on parts of the plant, that's when they go kaboom. The problem is a lot of the good guys go kaboom too, especially Mm honeybees. So the timing of the imidacloprid application has to be very careful and it'll say this on the label as well as far as not applying it when a honeybee presence is expected like if the plant is about to go into bloom that's when honeybees would normally arrive you wouldn't want to spray right before then when right. the honeybees would be most susceptible to it.
1: And injectables need to be timed so that the chemical isn't, doesn't get to the flowers when the flowers open and right. the bees visit. It's complicated stuff, folks, which is why there are people who You can hire to put it on and people, and there's lots of training. I had a pest control license for a while. There's lots of training and continuing education for people who apply pesticides, but you need to be aware that the label is the law. They can only apply it to the law and the label must show your plant and your pest. And so you need to, them to convince you that this pesticide is the correct one for what you have
0: in your landscape. It isn't easy, that's for sure. And there are alternatives to using imidacloprid in in many cases, especially if it's an aphid or scale problem, which are two of the possibilities in the case of this dripping sap issue. Right. And you should explore that as well, because good pest control companies now usually offer an integrated pest management component, meaning... If there are less toxic alternatives available, start with those.
1: For instance, I had a scale on a hackberry uh, in one of my, the, my landscapes scale is a sucking insect and it just lays down on usually the stem can be the back of the leaf the main vein on the back of the leaf but usually it's the stem and the mother lays her eggs there and she just sucks all day long she sucks sap out of the plant and that's what nourishes her and allows her to have babies and there is a crawling stage etc but most of what we see are these lumps on the stem of the plant and they can be a variety of colors and a variety of shapes depending on which scale it is. I had it on my hackberry. I pruned my hackberry to open it up because there are beneficial insects that will come in and feed on the scale and get rid of the scale. There were ants that were visiting the scale to get some of that sap. When the sap comes out of the plant, it comes out in pretty high pressure and the sucking insect often gets more than they can consume. And so it just goes right through their body or leaks out. And that's something that the ants like. And so the ants will protect the sucking insect from uh, the beneficials. So I put out ant traps. And those two things took care of my problem. If I had to take it a step further, there are uh, much less toxic pesticides, including some of the horticultural oils that I could have used on the scale that would suffocate them. Uh, Insects breathe through their rear end. And so it would clog up their breathing pores, and um, that would have been my next step. But I didn't need to do that. All I did was prune to open up the plant
0: and control the ants. It's interesting that the excrement of aphids and scale has the rather pleasing name of honeydew, <laughs> when in reality it, it's something that isn't that pretty. It's and it's, it and it's tough to remove from windshields on yes, a car. And yes. Yes. When you
1: plant, when you park under a tree and have, come back and there's lots of dots, yeah. there's a sucking insect in that tree that was over your Vehicle,
0: of course. Blasts of water we've talked about for controlling aphids. Yes, knocking them off the plant with scale. I've had scale on citrus trees where basically, if if you can see where the cocoons are, where the their protective scale or shells are, mm-hmm. a blast of water can knock them off. Mm-hmm. Or just just take a, a plastic scouring pad and and scrub them off. Right in interior
1: scaping, I have heard of people using uh, just the baby wipes with some rubbing alcohol on them and just going up and down the stems and the leaves of the plants. They do it to clean. OK, that's their goal is to clean. But if they these
0: pests are, are there, they will be removed in the process. All right. So integrated pest management is a wonderful thing. There are usually less toxic alternatives. And like I say, if you are dealing with a pest control company that does offer those alternatives, explore them before you go shall we say, totally nuclear. <laughs>
1: if they're going to use any kind of chemical on your plant, ask them what it's for. Have them show you the pest that it is going to control and get have them bring you a copy of the label and show you where on the label your plant and that pest is listed.
0: Right. Exactly. Everything has to be there on the label. Right. If it's not, they're breaking the law and you can report them. We do live in a capitalistic society. We do. And uh, you, you just got to no, are Be your you... best boss yeah, in this regard. Yeah, yeah. All right. Debbie Flower, thank you so much. Good information, Fred. You've heard me talk about the benefits of SmartPots, the original award-winning fabric container. SmartPots are sold around the world and are proudly made 100% right here in the USA. SmartPots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. Many of the imitators are selling cheaply made fabric pots that fall apart quickly, not smart pots. There are satisfied smart pot owners who have been using the same smart pots for over a decade, actually approaching 20 years. When you choose smart pot fabric containers, you know you'll be having a superior growing experience with the best product on the market. And your plants will appreciate smart pots, too. Because of the one million microscopic holes in smart pots, your soil will have better drainage and the roots will be healthier. They won't be going round and round on the outside of the soil ball like you see in so many plastic pots. The air pruning qualities of Smart Pots creates more branching of the roots, filling more of the usable soil in the Smart Pot. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com/fred and don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your SmartPot order by using the coupon code FRED. Use it at checkout from the SmartPot store. Visit SmartPots.com FRED for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer Fred 10% discount. Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com/fred. You want to start the backyard fruit and nut orchard of your dreams, but maybe you don't know where to begin. Or maybe you're currently growing fruit and nut trees and you've got a million questions, such as what are the tastiest fruits to grow? Where can I go to buy some of these delectable fruit and nut trees you've been reading about? And then how do you care for all of these trees, including planting, pruning, and harvesting? I've got one online stop in mind for you where all these questions you might have will get answered. It's DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest wholesaler of fruit and nut trees for the backyard garden. They have planting tips, taste test results, and links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Click on the Home Garden tab at DaveWilson.com for all of these links, including a link to their years of informative videos about growing fruit and nut trees that they've posted on the Dave Wilson Nursery YouTube channel. Start the backyard orchard of your dreams at DaveWilson.com. There's a lot of gardening companies out there that like to take surveys. And one of the more popular questions on gardening surveys is, how long do you want to spend doing lawn and garden chores each week? Consistently, the answer is usually the same among the majority of respondents. They want to spend less than an hour a week. I have a funny feeling, since we're gardeners, we're shooting for less than an hour a day, right? Well, anyway, I do have some tips for you to not only bring you closer to that elusive goal, but also ways to free up your spare time for other pursuits uh, as you get older. One of the easiest ways to save time in the garden is to automate. Provide your garden with an automatic watering system. The efficiency of an automated sprinkler or drip irrigation system protects your plants from summertime heat when you're away from home and a good drip system reduces water usage, it reduces unwanted weed growth, as well as plant diseases. So replace your old irrigation control system with a model that can control more valves with more flexibility. For example, there are irrigation control systems that automatically adjust water run times based on the season and the weather. Even more modern systems can sense the moisture in the soil. Those are rather expensive, But in between, you have systems that will automatically turn off your sprinklers if it senses rain. While on vacation, you might notice a hot spell coming back home and you want to water your container plants. Well, many irrigation control systems now can be turned on via your smartphone. Now, what about for those watering systems that aren't hooked up to valves? Well, consider installing battery-operated water timers at distant faucets to control the watering of garden beds. The better ones not only turn the water on and off, but they offer extended run times, which is perfect for drip irrigation, as well as multiple cycles per day, which is perfect for watering container plants on hot summer days. Many offer multiple outlets for watering several drip or hose-connected areas of your yard. Another tip to save time and also to save your back, elevate. Build raised beds for your annuals, perennials, and your vegetables. Not only do raised beds reduce the amount of stooping and kneeling that are necessary part of gardening, raised beds provide a planting area containing better soil with better drainage, especially for those plants that don't like wet feet. You can build them out of wood, concrete, or brick. A raised bed, usually 18 to 24 inches high, gives you a place to sit while weeding, pruning, or harvesting. Make the raised beds any length you desire, but keep the width less than four feet across for ease of reaching into the middle of the bed. And by the way, if you have gopher problems, line the bottom of those raised beds with quarter-inch mesh hardware cloth, and that'll keep gophers from sampling the fruits of your labor. And there are some interesting new products on the market in the way of plant containers like the Smart Pots, which are fiber containers, which can last for several seasons if you take care of them. Don't forget that large containers such as half barrels also can serve as homes for fruiting bushes. Be sure to drill several three-quarter to one-inch holes in the bottom and elevate the base of the barrel by an inch or so to assure good drainage as well as air circulation. Now, I mentioned to elevate. Well, there's something to be said for de elevation. De elevate. Practice backyard orchard culture with all your newly planted fruit trees. Keep the overall height of fruit trees at six or seven feet. Limiting the height means you don't have to get on a ladder to harvest fruit. Also, the trees are easier to cover with bird netting. Nip back the branches of deciduous fruit trees to the desired height about twice a year. One, maybe when you're thinning the fruit in spring, and then again after harvest. Thin out crossing or rubbing branches that are growing into the middle of the canopy. That'll improve sunlight and airflow through the tree. One of my favorite suggestions is eliminate life is too short to put up with a problem plant. Why waste time fretting over habitually underperforming perennials, shrubs, or trees? Why tolerate tree litter or plant roots that are upheaving your concrete? If it's growing awkwardly or it's consistently pest infested despite your best efforts, oh, just get rid of it. Purchase another plant better suited to the area and to your changing needs. Now, there is an ongoing attempt, of course, to totally eradicate weeds. Well, that is an exercise in futility. However, adding three or four inches of mulch, such as a walk-on bark, can dramatically reduce the amount of time you spend pulling weeds. And if you really want to cut down on a monotonous garden chore and you want to save time and money, get rid of the lawn or at least dramatically reduce that turf area. Mowing, edging, weeding a lawn can average an hour a week. Replace that ongoing chore with a garden area. It's beautiful, it uses much less water with the right plants, and eliminates most weeding thanks to several inches of mulch. Consider soil solarization in the summer or sheet mulching any time of the year to remove the lawn area. And you can find out more information about sheet mulching or removing the lawn with soil solarization in today's show notes or at FarmerFred.com. And finally, delegate. Yes, I know we kind of micromanage our gardens, but somewhere in your neighborhood, there is a teenager looking to pick up some spending money doing yard chores. Right, a teenager willing to work. Well, you never know. But there may also be that neighborhood guy or gal who has a tractor, a front loader, a chipper shredder, a backhoe, or whatever that could accomplish in a fraction of the time what you're attempting to do with a shovel, a small mower, or a saw. And ask your neighbors for recommendations about professional landscapers and arborists. Check their credentials online and then seek them out. Parceling out yard work to others is tough for gardeners, but grit your teeth, open your wallet if you want to save your back and some time. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode in the show notes. Maybe you'd rather read it than listen to it. That's not a problem. We have a complete transcript posted, and you can find that link in the show notes or on our new homepage, GardenBasics.net. That's where you can find that link as well as all the previous episodes of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. There, you can leave a message or link up with our social media pages, including our YouTube video page. And at GardenBasics.net, click on the tab at the top of the page to read the Garden Basics Beyond Basics newsletter. And that usually has a bonus podcast attached to it. Plus, in the show notes, there are links to any products or books mentioned during the show and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can just listen to the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. Want to leave us a question? Again, check the links at GardenBasics.net. And when you click on any episode at GardenBasics.net, you're going to find a link to SpeakPipe, where you can leave us an audio question without making a phone call. Or go to them directly, SpeakPipe.com slash GardenBasics. You want to call us? We have that number posted at GardenBasics.net. Spoiler alert, it's 916-292-8964, 916-292-8964 email sure send it along with your pictures to fred at farmerfred.com or again go to gardenbasics.net to get that link and if you send us a question be sure to tell us where you're gardening because as i am fond of saying all gardening is local find it all at gardenbasics.net Coming up in Friday's Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, Beyond the Basics, we pay a visit to the Luther Burbank Home and Gardens in Santa Rosa, California. That's where the famed horticulturist made his home for more than 50 years. It was here that he conducted plant breeding experiments that brought him world fame. During his career, Burbank introduced more than 800 new varieties of plants, including over 200 varieties of fruits, many vegetables, nuts, and grains, and hundreds of ornamental flowers. It's all about the Luther Burbank Gardens, and it's in the edition of the newsletter that comes out Friday, April 1st. We conducted the interview more than a decade ago, but it has stood the test of time, and the docent who we interviewed there was a very knowledgeable, well-spoken, and a modest individual. At the time, he never told us about his achievements in the world of horticulture. In fact, many people there knew little about this gentleman until his obituary was published over eight years ago. In Friday's Beyond the Basics newsletter, you'll find out not only a lot about Luther Burbank, but also about the person we chatted with, a docent by the name of Jack Hadley. Chances are you have one of his inventions in your garden shed or garage right now. And right now you probably have one of Luther Burbank's horticultural inventions in your kitchen. Maybe his russet potato. So take a stroll through the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, Beyond the Basics. Find a link in the podcast show notes or go to gardenbasics.net and click on the tab at the top of that page. Think of it as your garden resource that goes beyond the basics. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, and it's free. Please subscribe and share it with your gardening friends and family. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, Beyond the Basics. And thank you for listening. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by SmartPots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.